Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Morning, everybody. Some of you know my name, and for those that don't, my name is Scott Kirksey. I am your 1030 gathering pastor. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to those of you online. Thank you. I'm excited to be sharing with you today. Just this week in uh, my Deuteronomy group, someone asked, he's like, how did you feel, how did you know that you were called to be a pastor, to be in ministry? And, you know, it got me reflecting on the question. I'm like, it's been five years since I felt God stirring in me and giving me this call. And I said, well, this is what it looked like for me. I graduated with a marketing degree. I got my bachelor's in marketing. I worked for 20 years in a metal shop. And so the logical next step, obviously, was to be a pastor. (laughs) And so we went around the circle, and different people talked about uh, just the things that got it done in their life and where they were at. And this one gal had shared, she said, you know what? I've been feeling a stirring that God is calling me to ministry, but I don't think I'm equipped for it. I said, really? Like, you don't have a marketing degree? (laughs) Thank God that he doesn't call the equipped, but that he equips the called. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that you would invite us to participate in your work, that you would do a work in us so great that it would require so much trust and to leap into the story that you have for us, knowing, Lord, that you have us all taken care of. Thank you for your love. We pray for your spirit in this space today. Would you please speak? And would you be adored in this space? We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. So we're continuing our series in Deuteronomy. And today we're going to look at a passage where God is calling Israel to take the promised land. There were people in the promised land that were, God was going to move them out of the promised land, consequences that they were going to be under. And he was going to give that promised land as a gift to Israel to fulfill a promise that he'd given so many years before. But if you look at this generation that's standing at the doorstep, at the threshold of the promised land, we can recount that 40 years prior, their forefathers had the same command. God told them to go. And the forefathers said no. They spent 40 years in the predictable wilderness instead of actually living into the risk of following God's call. So go with me to this scripture. Deuteronomy 9 is where we're getting started. It says this, Hear, Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall. Anakites, you know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you. And you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised you. 
Now Moses goes on in chapter 9 to recount so many of these other times where in Israel's history where they were actually in positions of extreme risk. And he points those moments out to also show them that God brought you through every one of them. In spaces where you feared for your life, God did something. Moses is preparing Israel, this new generation of Israel, for what's ahead. Forty years ago, the previous generation of Israelites, they stressed out about what they, what they would eat the next day. What will we have for ourselves the next day? Is God and Moses leading us to our death? Following God seemed vulnerable. It seemed unsafe. It was a space where Israel was not in control, but God was. Their food even came from the very mouth of God. God was so unpredictable. They even suggested... Israel even suggested going back to slavery in Egypt might actually be more reliable because at least they knew what to expect. At least they knew where their next meal would come from. There was security in knowing my tomorrow is secure. Slavery was looking pretty good, especially when you think about the possibility of death. So they moaned about how bad it was in the desert. But once they looked over the fence, across the border, from Moab into the promised land, and they saw the giants, they decided, well, you know, I could do the desert life. This isn't so bad. A little hot. A little dry out here. Crops don't grow. They go get used to it. Wandering sounds actually better than dying to giants. And this was Israel's decision 40 years ago. 40 years later, a new generation is facing the same call from God to go, to take the land. I'm giving it to you. But it's not that easy. The land is already occupied. Lord, couldn't you have given me a land that didn't have giants in it? Their very lives are going to be at stake. It's kind of like God coming to you as a school kid. And he says, you know that kid across the cafeteria? That one that's twice your size? He's been a real chump. I want you to steal his lunch. It's like, yeah, but don't worry, I'll be with you. It's like, great, I'm going to get pounded. Israel will need to loosen their grip on all that is predictable in order to find out if God will win, if they'll be victorious, the unpredictable future will only be determined once they step forward into it. God is calling Israel to place all their trust in him alone so that they can obey him and he can give them the life he promised. He's calling Israel to trade their security and predictability and to get trust in return. How hard is it for you to do that? For you to obey the Lord when it actually includes you being vulnerable, when risk is involved. We really can get lost in the what ifs and in the, well, what about? 
Lord, I think you're calling me, and I know where you want me to go. I feel like I should be participating in this way, and I believe that that's you, but what about, and what about, and what if? It can be so easy to forget the highlights of our past, what God has already done when we look at the risk of following his plan going forward, to trust that his lordship is better than ours. And that the future, as daunting as it may seem, as vulnerable as we may seem walking into it, is actually the safest place we could ever be. So what is it you worry about? What keeps you from obeying the Lord? Here is a list of core fears. This is, this is based on a personality profile called the Enneagram. And maybe you know your number, maybe not. But what words actually stand out up there, what words in those list of fears stand out as ones that would kind of make it hard for you to follow? If God were to call you into obedience, I would guess that there's some word up there that actually you can go like, yeah, you know, I think that one more than that one. I think maybe this one. What is it for you? I heard one. Say it out. Feel free online, you guys, type it in the chat. What are your fears? What up from this list might actually be the one that you struggle with? Let me hear you. Doubt? Yep, doubt. Incapable? Incompetent? Yep. Another one. Trapped? Oh, trapped. Might be one of my seven bros over there. I'm a seven with an eight wing, which basically means seven with some eight. I fear feeling trapped, or I feel like I like running out of options freaks me out. When I was younger, the things that actually, you know, I started to think about the things that actually would make me fearful, and I used to surf a lot, and uh, I always prayed before I went out. And some days required more prayer. Because some days you'd go to the beach and you'd look at the waves and be like, whoo, didn't get all dressed up for nothing. Let's go for it. But you'd look out there and the waves would be daunting. And I'd pray a little extra. I'd take a deep breath and, okay, here we go. Lord, keep me safe. I want to stay alive today. Now I'm a little older. I don't surf quite as much as I used to. And I, but I still get that deep breath in that prayer every time I decide I'm going to eat dairy. (laughs) But to be transparent, like my real fears, the things I wrestle with, the things I'm afraid to hold in tension of my vulnerability, but instead to trust that God is in control of, There are days where I fear and I worry if my fatherhood will be enough. There there are days, there are plenty of days where I wonder if that passage of scripture that says train up your child in the way she should go and in their old age they won't depart from it. There are days when I wonder if that will be true for me. 
that the God I know and that I've experienced and I'm amazed by, I wonder if my kids will know him. Those are real fears. My worry, I want the best for them. I want to care for them. And my influence is so limited. I think this next generation of Israelites were afraid too. If you were here last week, you heard Brian talk a little bit about treaties, where this book of Deuteronomy was actually written like a treaty. And I don't mean that to say like, hey, it's kind of like a treaty. I mean to say like, like if you were to tell your story, and you were to say, I'm going to share my testimony with you, and I'm going to type it out, and I'm going to go in Microsoft Word, and I'm going to pick a template, I'm going to pick resume, and I'm going to tell my story through a resume. You'd go like, what are you doing a resume for? Like, it's that odd. Why, when we look at the form and the format of Deuteronomy, was it written as a treaty? Well, let me explain a little bit. Israel chose to do this for a reason, and I think the reason is this. These vassal treaties existed whenever a one nation would conquer another. The king or the suzerain nation would overcome another nation. They would overcome, and that nation would now be the servant nation or the vassal nation. So the king nation, at the beginning of a new treaty, he would be declaring, he would say, I am your new king. I am the king who defeated you. And now there is a new arrangement. What you had behind you in your story We are making a declaration today that going forward, everything is going to change. And this is what the new arrangement is going to look like in this treaty. This is what I wish for you to obey. These are my rules. This is the way it's going to work. And if you follow those rules, you're going to get some amazing blessings. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to do these things. If you don't follow these rules... There's going to be consequences. It's not going to go well. So the interesting piece of why this treaty even happens, why Israel chooses to do this whole book, this story in a treaty format, is to say that there was a conqueror who came and overcame Egypt. And I am declaring that from this day forward, I am subservient to a new king. He gave me my freedom. He rescued me. Going forward, I will walk in obedience to this new king. I will allow him to make the rules, for him to guide my steps. And there will be blessings if I follow it, and there will be consequences if I don't. God had always sought Israel's best. And he removed everyone and everything that stood in the way of Israel in their journey on the way to the promised land. The forefathers of our faith let the fear of other things get in the way. They didn't remember. They forgot their past. But today in this treaty between our people and between the Lord, we're declaring that despite our fears, we will trust in you. You are our Lord. In Egypt, I was a slave to predictability, to security, even in the control of my own outcome, even while a slave. 
Going forward, I will not be a servant to these things. I have a new king. Unpredictable is going to be okay because I will choose to live in trust and obedience to the only one who can truly keep me safe. Our new king is guaranteed to not be predictable. He will call you to walk into dangerous places that you don't expect. Seemingly dangerous anyway. And he doesn't say the plan is safe. He just invites us to look back and answer the question. Have I not been reliable? Have I not been faithful to you? So here's my object for today. We've been using the shelves of remembrance. Throughout our Deuteronomy series and today, this is my object. Believe me, coming up with an object that describes fearing the Lord is not easy. So mine simply says fear the Lord. But God in this passage actually defines something crucial. Not only do I put my light in you, not only are you a kingdom of priests going into a new land, but I'm also asking you to fear the Lord. Fear and Lord can often seem like two words that don't belong together. When we look back at Israel's recent past, we see our God introducing himself at Mount Sinai. And it actually says that with all the lightning, the thunder, the cloud, that the people were terrified. That they were so nervous that they wouldn't even go up the hill. They said, no, Moses, you're good. We're good back here. Why don't you go up? You can get close to, you can get close to the Lord. We'll stay. But the intent, I believe, of the Lord to terrify the people, his own people, wasn't so much that they would be afraid of him, but I think it was to show them that, he, that, that the terrible, powerful, amazing thunder, lightning, smoke, fire, God is the God that goes with them. The mighty, the intimidating, the powerful. Who could stop it? We're reminded earlier by God and earlier in Deuteronomy, when you came up against King Sihon and he wouldn't let you through, instead he came up with his armies against you, I defeated him. And when you came up against Og, king of Bashan, and he wouldn't let you through, and he came up against you with his armies, I defeated him. And when you were a slave in Egypt and Pharaoh would not let you go, I came and I defeated him. And when his armies pursued you, I divided the sea so that you could be free. And I swallowed them up in the sea. The same God who struck with power, who freed with power, who saved with power, who rescued with power, that is my past. How do you get to the doorstep of trust without understanding who walks with you, who goes forward in front of you, who calls you into the vulnerable? I know in my own story, I can look back at my past. And I can say that as a kid, I remember the time that I knew God heard me. I can say that I know the story the first time I knew God saw me. 
I could tell you about when I was on my paper route as a tween, and there were bullies that would bother me every day. And I brought that prayer to the Lord, and they never bothered me again. I could tell you about when I went through the hardest season of my life, when I was devastated by the Lord, and he gave me room to grieve. And, when, and then he, one day he called me back, and I said, Lord, please put me back together. That Lord was faithful to do it. And five years ago, when I felt called by the Lord to go, I thought, what about, what about my mortgage? What about my paycheck? What about? And I gave him the list. And I said, Lord, I don't have enough faith for this. I need you to give me more faith. I want the courage to go forward like you're calling me, and I know you're calling me. Help me to trust. Help me to leap into the vulnerable. In the back, we have our wall of remembrance. It's a spot where you can write a note down to remember from your past, what has God done for you? God, I remember when I was a slave to what? I remember when I worried you wouldn't come through. I remembered when I needed help. And I remember the places where I trusted you and you came through. You've given me so many testimonies. Deuteronomy 11.8 says, Observe, therefore, all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. God calls his children to obey him. And in order to do this, we have to remember that God is radically more powerful than anything you'll face. Anything that threatens you, no matter how intimidating your fears may seem. God is not a slave master like Egypt. He's a father. And you are a child of God. We are no longer slaves to fear. Fear is a slave master, but God calls us to our past to remember that our fears are not an obstacle that he can't handle or overcome. There is only one that is worthy of fear, and it is the Lord himself. And we're his children. Deuteronomy 10 says this, Moses equipping them, says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve him, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and, the, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Let's go through those verbs a minute. Fear him. This one is first for a reason. It's critical to proceed to the next three verbs I'm going to share. It's the foundation for all that God asks in these verses. Fear the Lord over all other worries. There's only one worry, only one worthy of your worry. And in his shadow, there are no giants. Walk in obedience, even when you don't know what tomorrow holds. Love him with your whole being. Who we are with will always be more important than where we are going. Allow our future to be authored by the one who loves you. And then last is serve him. Lord, use my life. 
because all that I have is yours. Guide it wherever you want. You cannot accept the rescue of God without accepting the mission of God. You may have heard me say that one before. It's one I've been repeating. If salvation is in your story, then mission is in your future and it's in your now. So what ways will you jump in? The same God that rescued the Israelites is the same God that calls us to remember and he calls us to carry on his mission to the world. God has already said, go. What will our answer be? How will we respond? A little while back here at PCC, we created a page on our website. If you go and look, it'll say gather, grow, give, go. And then this other word that doesn't start with a G. It just says PCC serve. In there, there's a bunch of different role descriptions that we created that you can actually participate in ministry right here. Is there a way that God is calling you to participate here at PCC to be a part of what he's doing going forward? Check that out. Will you go to the site this week and ask the Lord to guide you to what ministry he might have for you? What ways you might trust him in the unknown of the future? What ways you might play a part? I'm convinced that PCC can be a lot more like the promised land if we're all engaged, vibrant, and full of life. Or it can be a desert. I think the choice is up to us. Pray with me. If you want to put your hands out in front of you and just hold them open. Lord, it's yours. It's always been yours. Help me to resist holding on too tight to the ways I navigate my own journey. Help me to trust that stepping into your call, stepping into mission, stepping into participating in your kingdom work is right where I'm supposed to be and it's the safest place I'll ever be. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.